Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Hopefully everybody had a phenomenal Thanksgiving. Thanks to Mark Messier for taking care of our podcast back on Friday. That was a lot of fun. Got a great reaction from everybody. And now trying to follow up on maybe the greatest captain in the history of sports is somebody that I would vote as the greatest guest of all time, E.J. Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I'm good, but I mean, it's hard to follow Mark Messier. There's no question. I I was fortunate enough to do a a kind of exclusive one-on-one with him for our program a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's always a joy to, to spend some time and talk to Mark, who is uh, you know, one of the, obviously one of the legends and icons of the game. So uh, sure, that was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun promoting his book and also his work on ESPN, and of course that was before the, um, the Rangers and the Bruins game uh, that was on ABC. So we got to see a little hockey on ABC for the first time since the Lightning for, won their first cup at 04. You know, it had been that long since uh, ABC's had hockey, so it's kind of cool to have him back. Now, we got lots to get into here, EJ, and I guess um, the best place to start is with the latest news on Mark Bergevin. Can't say it's a surprise. Uh, Montreal has been really a mess even before going to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, that was a big surprise that they did that, but there's been there's been rumors and the possibility of something like this happening for a long time. So I can't say I was really surprised that he was relieved of his duties as the Canadians general manager. No, uh, I was not surprised either. Um, I wasn't really sure. Like there was a lot of talk that Mark, you know, his contract was expiring. He was in the final year of his deal. And there was a lot of talk that Mark wasn't interested in coming back. Uh, So, you know, it is a very strange circumstance to have someone that's making, you know, a lot of uh, decisions for your franchise and is uncertain about whether he's coming back or whether you want him back. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, if there's that uncertainty, it's time to move on. And really happy for Jeff Gordon, who is the, uh, you know, was working with us at the NHL Network for the last several months, going back to the draft. And, uh, Really got to spend some time with Jeff and chat with him and really enjoyed it. Someone that is, uh, you know, I thought he was kind of unfairly uh, moved out. I agree. That's the way sports is. And life is sometimes, right? We all deal with things that are may may or may not be fair, but uh, Jeff's a big boy. He understands the business. And, uh, you know, now he's getting another opportunity. And it's really, really kind of interesting. He's had an interesting career because, he started in Boston, he went to the Rangers, and now he's at the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, he's halfway through the original six. And, uh, you know, I guess he's got, you know, a couple more teams to get through before he gets the, the full, the full. it goes right through the all, all six teams. But hopefully this will be the last stop for him. He's got a long-term contract there. Um, he'll be charged with uh, bringing in someone who will serve as a general manager, uh, someone that obviously has to speak French, has to be bilingual. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, 
changes the dynamic a little bit. But I, I get the sense that it's going to be Jeff who's going to be plotting the course of things and working on developing the young players in the system and really determining how they go forward with the veteran players there. I think they got a lot of interesting decisions they may want to make. They've got a lot of guys under contract for a good period of time that they may want to take a look at. Obviously, the Shea Weber situation with him with a long contract and looking like he's not going to play again and how, how that will have to be handled over the coming years and the Kerry Price situation. Hopefully, he'll be back playing at some point soon. Um, Jeff Molson did an ex- extensive press conference uh, this morning and talked about the Canadians doing other things within their organization to uh, diversify their group a little bit. So it'll be interesting times in Montreal, but I'm really happy to see Jeff get the opportunity on a long-term deal. And now the question will be who he brings in as, you know, in name a general manager, but I think really more in practice someone that will serve as a kind of an associate general manager and kind of work in tandem with Jeff, with Jeff kind of making the final hockey decisions. You know, that person having to speak French, I mean, you know, there's, you know, I've heard the name Matthew Darch out there, who's with the Lightning Organization. Danny Briere's name has come up from the uh, Flyers. Obviously, we know Danny from a long career in NHL. And there's another guy to keep an eye on, Martin Madden Jr., who's in Anaheim right now and has been a scout for a long time. Mm-hmm. I believe he lives in Quebec. He was with the Rangers many years ago, lived in Carolina, and now he's in Anaheim as an assistant GM there. And, you know, that's another guy, I think, that, might be on the will be on the radar, but uh, interesting times for sure in Montreal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, just a quick story. This is going back maybe 10, 12 years ago, okay? And this is the last time Montreal was looking for a general manager. And I was fortunate enough to go out to dinner in Toronto with um, Joe Micheletti, um, Dave Hodge, former from Hockey Night in Canada, John Shannon, our former boss over at the NHL Network when we first started doing NHL Live together, uh, Jim Schoenfeld, um, you know, Sam Rosen was there. Um, um, there was wow. John. You know, there's some, you know, some big guns there. Jim Schoenfeld and um, John Giannone. And, and, and the kingpin to all of it was Glenn Sather. And Sather's telling all these stories. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he says, all right, let's go around the room. Everybody give who you think should be the next general manager of the Canadians. Go. So they're going all around the room, and people are throwing out Patrick Wav. People are throwing out different names, and it gets to me, little old me, okay, which I really don't know, Glenn. I was like very fortunate to be at this dinner. I was thrilled, but I was slack-jawed the entire dinner just being with these great announcers and great former hockey executives and players and all that stuff. And, and the name that I spit out, and he's still available, and Glenn thought my um, – my suggestion was a great one. He just thought maybe just a little too inexperienced. But I think I, re- I impressed Glenn. The name I threw out was Claude Loisel. 
okay. And he's like, okay. oh, that's a good, you know what? I haven't heard that one. That's a good one. I think Claude was worth the, um, I think he might have been the assistant GM with Tampa at the time. And he's, oh, I just don't think he's, I don't think he's quite ready for that job. But that was a really good suggestion. I was thinking about that story with everything open. And I was like, yeah, Claude's still available. <laughs> Maybe I'll end up being a soothsayer when all this is said and done. But I haven't really heard his name mentioned. Never know. You never know. So we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting for for Jeff. I mean, again, it's it's a very unique situation. And you know, if you watch the press conference this morning, um, and you see that you know, like like Jeff Olson was answering numerous questions in French, and the statement was in both English and French. I mean, it's a really important. It's really important for leadership up there to be able to uh, communicate in both languages. And I think he talked about the idea that the job of the manager, we've heard this before now from other people, it's like you need more than, you know, you really, it's really these, this day and age, you need more than one person. And we saw that a little bit with Ron Exall and Brian Burke and Pittsburgh. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think it'll be a different dynamic in Montreal because I think Jeff is going to be really. It's going to be a partnership, I think, with whoever he brings. But I think Jeff will be the one, at least, you know, in the in the coming years, that kind of formulates the plan and and is the the senior member by title and and in, and indeed of that group. And then whoever the manager is will work alongside. And it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I think that you know all these candidates. Different Matthew Darch has been involved with the Tampa Bay Lightning for several years, so he's been around. I think probably the state-of-the-art organization in hockey right now, so certainly that's a positive. Uh, Danny Breer was a great player and has been yeah. diligent about, uh, learning the game from the inside uh, from the business end. And, you know, he'd be an interesting uh, he'd be an interesting candidate as well. And You know, I, I, there are many others, so it'll be interesting for Jeff to go through that process, but most importantly, I mean, they've got some challenges there. I know when they get Carey Price back down the road, that will certainly help their team dramatically. Um, you know, to have Price and Jake Allen as that one-two as planned makes sense, and that will help them a lot. They've got to get, hopefully, if they can get Joel Edmondson back at some point. Yeah. But they got some, they got some really things to look at. I mean, you know, they, they signed... You know, Mike Hoffman got signed in the offseason with a three-year contract. For the life of me, I can't figure out why he would do that. The guy's 32 years of age. He's kind of a one-dimensional player. I mean, the one dimension is he can score from distance, which is a, a pretty good dimension to have. But, you know, for a team that's pushed up against it cap-wise, I don't know why you'd want to, you know, lock yourself in for three years there. Now, he's been hurt, so he hasn't really had an impact. Uh, they've got Josh Anderson on a very long-term deal, but I was surprised that he's you know, when they signed him a couple of, you know, last year. Uh, they've got Brendan Gallagher on a long-term deal. I love Brendan Gallagher, but boy, oh boy, I don't know how that feels going to look as, as as a smaller player who plays with every ounce of his fiber of energy in his body on a nightly basis. You know, I just don't know how much he's going to have in the tank over the next six years. And, uh, you know, they got other situations like that as well. So uh, they've got a lot of sorting out there in Montreal, and, uh, you know, time will tell how, how it plays out. But, uh, it, you, know, when this, you know, when I just hear the news, I am happy for Jeff, who, uh, you know, to get this opportunity. And, you know, they got a lot of work to do in Montreal. All right. The other story is the COVID situation with the Islanders, and their game against the Rangers was postponed. Now, 
Peter, uh, EJ, you and I are both in kind of a similar situation where we come across sometimes as defenders of the National Hockey League or even shills, depending on who's doing the critique. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as trying to compensate for the people who just despise the NHL and think everything that they do is wrong, okay? And there's a lot of people out there that are doing that. And, you know, whether it's Chris Botta with the Islanders, whether it's Larry um, or Chris Botta formerly of the Islanders or Larry Brooks, it's like the NHL completely dropped the ball on this COVID situation with the Islanders, awful job of handling it, blah, 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 blah. I want to talk to you about it, cooler heads prevailing. Did they drop the ball, in your opinion? Or what are some of the things that I think people are missing when they finally come to a decision on whether game or games should be postponed because of COVID protocol? Well, I think there's been a, there's a number of problems. I mean that that the league is trying to take into account. First of all, they're trying to get these games in because there's the potential. Seems we seemingly are still on track to go to the Olympics. So you know, there's limited time to make up games this year. So that's a, that's one thing. So they're trying to get the games in when they can. Um, I thought we've seen situations in San Jose and in Ottawa prior to the Islander situation. San Jose did not cancel any games. And they were missing a number of players. Uh, the Ottawa Senators played a number of games prior to having games finally postponed to get back on track. And the Islanders was kind of a similar situation to that, although they might have had one or two more games. You know, I'd have to look back to the schedule that were played. And the Islanders also had other issues. I mean, they did not just have COVID guys. They had other guys who were injured as well. So, you know, you add it all together, and it was kind of a disaster for the Islanders. And they were moving into a brand-new building, and that was a big deal. So I don't know if the Islanders management, I can't speak for Lou Lambrillo or, you know, the Balkan, the Ledecky ownership group uh, about, you know, their feelings, but I don't know if there was a real appetite to cancel the much ballyhooed opening to their new arena. So, you know, that's another thing that's hard for me to really get a grasp on. You know, did the Islanders want to cancel Right. The opening to their new brand arena. I mean, I, I you know, that's a, that's a question that's a, you know that they would have to answer. Now, as to the question of whether it's you know the ball was dropped or is it fair, I don't think it was fair to any of those teams, San Jose, Ottawa, or the Islanders. Um, could it have been handled differently? Probably, yeah. But there was a lot of things involved here. This was not as simple as, well, let's just postpone the games until they can figure it out. Um, you know, so that's the way I look at it. And, uh, you know, as to the outer fans who were screaming and yelling, I would say this. Where were you when it was happening in San Jose and Ottawa? Because I didn't hear you. I didn't hear Chris Botta or any of these other, whoever you want to mention, I did not hear any of them commenting when it, when it didn't, impact their particular team that they worry about. So it's not something like the Islanders were singled out. It's a problem. It's a difficult situation. Got some news in Carolina today that uh, Pesci and D'Angelo are in COVID protocol now. They're not going to Dallas for their upcoming game. Could that become a problem in in Carolina? I don't know. I hope not. But this is the day-to-day operation of running a 32-team league where they have a very busy schedule in an Olympic year. And, 
you know, tough decisions have to be made. And again, I'm, from a medical standpoint, again, here's another question. I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a doctor. So what are the doctors telling the league about this and how it impacts the players? So I don't want to see anybody sick. I don't think you, you know, I don't know if there's a good way to handle it under these circumstances. Um, people can call me whatever they want. I usually give you my opinion pretty straightforward. I mean, we just went through the Kyle Beat situation at the national, at the NHL network. And I think that, uh, on our show, we covered that pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, of course. So people can say what you want about, uh, you know, about my, my opinion on things or yours. But like I said, I try to give the fans my honest opinion about everything that comes across our plate. And, you know, for me, it's a complicated decision. I don't think it was fair to any of those teams. No. I think it was really tough. And so, but that goes for for Ottawa and San Jose as well. So we'll see how it plays out, you know, for the Islanders. But it's it's not an easy decision. And it's not a thing where you can just say, oh, yeah, you've got to cancel the games. I mean, there's a lot that was part of that and I feel bad for the honors. I mean it it's it stinks for them. There's no question about it. No, and and it stinks for the teams that want to play, you know, and, you know, because, again, it's not just about the Islanders. It's about who's on the Islanders' schedule. And, you know, is it going to be fair for maybe the Islanders to get jam-packed into a week in which they might have to play six games, depending on how the schedule is going to go the rest of the way? Or, you know, the Players Association screaming if they do have to postpone going or just canceling going to China for the Olympics. So it's never just this cut and dried of, oh, well, Ottawa had 10 players out and they postponed three games. The Islanders have seven guys out, so the line must be eight. The line must be nine. But not everything is equal. You know, Ottawa had to get on a plane and go to New Jersey when their game was when they had their COVID situation. That's going to change differently than, let's say, if they were playing and New Jersey was already there. You know, because traveling obviously becomes a concern when you're getting on a plane uh, with players and having to get all the players to scramble to get to New Jersey as opposed to having to go to Ottawa. So maybe that game against New Jersey would have been played if it was in Ottawa because they had to go to New Jersey. They postponed it. As you mentioned, I don't think anybody in the Islanders organization wanted to see that first home game postponed. Well, what was the difference between that game against Calgary and then the game against Toronto and then the game against the Rangers? You know, so, and the fact that, you know, Pulak's hurt and Nelson's hurt and Dobson can't go because of a lower body injury shouldn't play into whether the game's postponed or not because that has nothing to do with COVID. You know, so, uh, again, if they, you know, you play the game, and I'm sure if the Islanders had won a couple of those games, I don't think anybody would be complaining, but because they're in the midst of a long losing streak, certainly contributed to COVID, but I could also tell you that they're not really getting any kind of production from Barzell or Beauvillier. So there's a lot that goes in. So I, I feel bad for the guys that have to play. I feel got bad for the guys that have to get postponed. You know, the people that have tickets that want to go to the Ranger game on Sunday and then the game gets postponed 24 hours before faceoff. Nobody's ever going to be happy, EJ. We live in a pandemic world. I mean, so if you want fairness, if you want everybody to sing Kumbaya, good luck. All right? Just yeah. ask anybody that's making decisions, not just in sports, but in life. Everything comes with yeah. consequences, and there's going to be a percentage of people that are going to be upset with the decision. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, like I said, I do feel bad for the honors. I don't think it was fair for any of those teams. Oh, but, it stinks. You know, I, hopefully hopefully this will be the last situation that we're dealing with. But, again, Carolina just had two guys, important players, go into COVID protocol or not on a trip. So what does that mean for the Hurricanes moving forward? It's an ongoing problem, and the league is trying right. to navigate it as best it can. And, you know, sometimes in life, right, like injuries and sometimes things 
Montreal Canadiens made it to the Stanley Cup final last year, part and parcel because they were in the North Division where their path to the final was a little bit easier. And everybody was healthy at the right time, and all things kind of came together for them. Six months later, they fired their general manager. They're near the bottom of the league. I mean... That's just the way things go sometimes. Yeah, it's 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 a hard league. It's a tough league, and uh, just ask Brady Kachuk. He gets bit by Brendan Lemieux. Uh, how many games do you think that's going to end up being for him? Well, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty clear that he did it. Uh, there was a nasty back and forth between uh, you know Lemieux or Kachuk afterwards. He kind of teed off on on Lemieux, and then the quick kind of came to the. Aid of Lemieux today uh, in, in talking about you know defending him publicly. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the players, the part of player safety, had a big weekend because they also have a hearing with Brad Marchand for a slew foot against this from last night. So, uh, there's a lot on their plate over the next uh, 12 to 24 hours. Yeah, and let's not forget about the money that Panarin lost for throwing his glove, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to do something. You can't throw your glove, but it's not like Marchand was in any kind of peril getting hit by a glove. Yeah, I, I, it, it seemed like, uh, you know, much to do about that a lot. But, you know, who knows? Brad Marchand, is, he's been a, you know, he's a lightning rod type player. He had been, you know, he's been behaving himself for a while, but uh, he had a big weekend. So we'll see what comes of it on uh now, we talked about the Islanders and the trouble that they're in, and certainly no fault of their own, but they've got a lot of ground to make up. Uh, what, what, what's your take on what Philadelphia is going through right now? they got big problems because, you know, they're missing, obviously, two important players in Kevin Hayes and Ryan But the other thing for me is I just don't, I don't think these players are buying into the – of what the coaching staff is selling, with Elaine Pino and Michelle Terrian and Mike here were selling it. Listen, I won't be surprised. And the only thing, and the only reason that that it hasn't happened yet, I think, is because that uh, Elaine Pino's got two and a half years left on a contract. But I won't be surprised if Philadelphia makes a change because they look lackluster right now, and uh, they got veteran players there. And uh, I don't think they were planning on missing the playoffs again this year. And if they don't do something soon. Uh, you know, that's going to become a distinct possibility. And the guy that I would keep an eye on is uh, Rick Tockett because yeah. he's a former coach. He wants to coach. He's working at TNT right now. He just got inducted into the Flyers Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, Rick is a Flyer, and I think Rick is somebody that uh, they would consider there if they're going to make a change. So uh, very interesting to watch. They've got the Rangers on Wednesday got a heck of a tough schedule, Barry. They got the Rangers on Wednesday. They don't play again until Sunday, but then they have like a back-to-back, I think, with Tampa and Colorado. So, uh, you know, the games are home games, but boy, oh boy, their, their schedule has been rough of late. They had Carolina. They've had some tough games. They are a team, I would say, that probably benefited from a cancellation on Tuesday night against the Islanders just to kind of have a day to get their to get their act together, although they probably would have liked to have feasted on a team in the Islanders that is really uh, shorthanded right now, as we just discussed. So uh, that situation, though, is one worth watching in Philly. 
Tell you, this Ranger team has really been impressing me. I was really surprised, genuinely, on Friday's win against Boston. First of all, Boston gives them trouble and has in the past. And that day after Thanksgiving has never been great for the Rangers. They fall behind twice in the game, and they end up running away with the contest. Now, I realize this is not the same Boston team, and Swayman is not Tukarask by any stretch of the imagination, but that win really impressed me. I'm not sure. Matter of fact, I'm, I, I, I'm definitely sure. I just didn't say that that they win that game over the last five years. Like, that's a game they lose. And the fact that they won it tells me that this is a this is a different Ranger team. I, I think it's a playoff team. And I think it could be better because it's not like you're getting a ton from Zabanajad at this point. So I'm really impressed with where the Rangers are right now. Yeah, I, I, they should be. They're, they're playing really well. Uh, I would just say this. I mean, I think you touched on it. The Bruins are not quite the same team they have been in the last uh, couple of years. Uh, the goaltending is not as good right now for sure. Um, missing David Krejci. I mean, I thought in that game, the top line for the Bruins could have five or six goals. I mean, they were terrific in the game. Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak, uh, Shesterkin played great. Uh, they were outshot 17-4 to in the first period. The Rangers were outshot. And yet they leave the first period 1-1 to because the Bruins not off in the last 10 seconds and allow... Brian Strom to kind of go unchecked right through the middle and get a pass from Panarin and, and tie things up, and that kind of changed the dynamic of that game for me. Um, so I think, you know, the Rangers, you've, and you've seen it, Donna, you do the games. I mean, they've had a number of games this year where they haven't really played a really full 60-minute game, but yet they get bailed out by Shesterkin, and then yeah. they kind of find a way. A lot of talented players on that team. And, uh, you know, again, you put that in combination with a Boston Bruins team that, you know, to me is, is struggling to kind of find a new identity there right now. Um, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Rangers might just flat out be better than the Boston Bruins, especially yeah. when your goaltender provides that kind of performance yeah. in the game. on Friday. So it's a good win for the Rangers, playing really well. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of on the heels of, of Washington and Carolina in a, in a tough, uh, Metro, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Rangers continue to, uh, on, you know, to develop this year. And you know, Shesterkin is—he's the X factor, right? He's no, and have a chance to win every time he's in net. And nobody should apologize for that. That's part of the team, right? He's oh, having great goaltending to steal games for you. And uh, right. and Boston and the thing with the Bruins and I've watched a lot of the Bruins I know you have as well they've they've got to find some something other than that line right and and that that duo specifically of Marshawn and Bergeron is you know one of the the great one two punches in the history of the sport it really is I mean they've been doing it for a long time but it seems like when they win though those guys are supplying points and when they're not you know they're not getting anything else and. And I think they just got to find a way to get some secondary and tertiary scoring if they're really going to be a team that can even make the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, well, they, you know, it's funny. They bring in a guy like Eric Halla to be part of their group. And, uh, you know, in the game that, I, that we're talking about on Friday, I mean, it was it was Halla was, uh, was one of the, the suspects who kind of nodded off and allowed the Rangers to get a good opportunity in the dying seconds of the period and score to tie the game. So these type of players, I mean, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to find a way to be better because there's a big hole now in that second center slot with David Krejci having gone back to the Czech Republic. And, uh, you know, it's funny. For years they were looking for guys to play with Krejci on the second line. They go out and they get Taylor Hall. It looks like they've got some real nice chemistry there with uh, Smith and uh, Krejci and Hall. And then Krejci decides to go back to the Czech Republic. So it's kind of back to, back to square one. But I also think that, 
you know, they're still a little light on defense. And, uh, you know, the other problem for them is the goaltending is, you know, it's not that rock-solid Tuka Rask night after night that they had in the past. No, they're hoping to get – it sounds like Rask wants to play again and will be healthy from an injury at some point after the new year. And, you know, he's indicated in the past that he would like just to stay in Boston. So maybe Tuka Rask comes back. Um, and now you you know you really approved your goaltending if he's healthy and can kind mm. of find the form that we're used to. But I do think they've got some other challenges there right now. And uh, you know secondary scoring again is going to rear its head there. And uh, you know again on defense, are they you know are they good enough on defense? Are they deep enough on defense? Are they strong enough on defense? I thought last year when carlo went out against the islanders i was ended up being a big loss for that team and uh, they got pushed around a little bit always a pleasure ej thank you so much for giving us a couple of minutes we went kind of all over the place but you handled it well as you usually do well that's my job <laughs> it is it's your job and you do it well and of course his other job his secondary job then coming on every monday on the game misconduct is nhl now four to six eastern on the nhl network and uh, they always get you set for the games and preview and post and all that stuff. So I'll be watching you on television, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. Have a good day. All right. That's EJ Raddick. Joins us every Monday here on Game Misconduct. Just four games on the NHL slate tonight. 7 o'clock, the Kraken will be in Buffalo to take on the Sabres. A couple of 7.30 games and two underachieving teams playing each other. And that's the Canadians home for the Canucks. And we're kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop on Travis Green. We'll see if that happens. And certainly a loss to Montreal is not going to help matters. I kind of speculated off the air with uh, Anthony Pusick, our producer here on Game Misconduct, that maybe Paul Maurice was in a little bit of trouble after they got destroyed in Minnesota 7-1 the day after Thanksgiving. And I speculated that if the same happened in Calgary on Saturday, that maybe Paul Maurice could be out of a job. He's been holding on to that for a long, long time. Uh, the only coach that they've had since returning uh, to Winnipeg, and uh, they bounced back. They came back from two goals down against Calgary on Saturday night to win that game in regulation. Now they got a Coyotes team that's won just four uh, of their first 21 games, so Winnipeg home, maybe a chance to make it two in a row, and they are a playoff team right now, third place in the Central. I'm looking forward to this one tonight, 9 o'clock, Calgary home for Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh's got to get on their horse. They've played okay hockey, not great. You know, they sit 10-7-4 and four with 24 points. They, they've won six of their last 10, but they sit there. They're right now five points back of the Rangers for third place in the Metropolitan Division. They do have a game in hand, on the Rangers, however, and in the wild card situation, Pittsburgh does have the final wild card, uh, and with a little breathing room, having a game on Detroit and a point up on them, and then two points up on Boston. But you know, Pittsburgh—that's uh, a tough spot out in Western Canada. I'm sure all those fans out there are excited to see Sidney Crosby he only gets to go out there, you know, once a year, so that should be fun. But a tough schedule coming up for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we'll see if they can hold on to that final playoff spot. All right, this was a lot of fun. Want to get in touch with me at Don Lagranca hashtag Game Misconduct. Didn't do any tweets today, but we'll have a load of them coming up on Wednesday. So look forward to talk to you guys then this was the monday edition of game misconduct this is the game misconduct podcast with don mcgrecca